Welcome to Crossroads, the broadcast ministry of Montgomery's First Baptist Church, where you can discover God's personal plan and power to conquer your problems through Jesus Christ. Join us now as God's Word heals, encourages, and enlightens your spiritual life. Come with me to Luke chapter 2. We'll complete the Christmas story and we'll start in Luke 2 verse 21 in just a moment. It may assist you to have that piece of paper that looks like this, learning to recognize your Savior in the new year. Move beyond my frail, feeble voice, and when you hear the Lord speak, capture what He is saying to you. So listen carefully. Uh, Something I've discovered is that you generally see what you look for. Have you noticed that? You generally see what you look for. Let me explain that. For instance, a hunter will generally see their quarry. They're looking for their quarry. Their eyes would be scanning for the prize of that big buck deer or a turkey or a quail or a dove. My father was quite the hunter, and he had 20-15 vision. When I would go hunting with my dad, my dad would say, J-Boy, do you see that deer's leg over there 350 yards in the brush? No, I do not see it, Dad. But he was astonishing uh, how good he could see and how keen was his vision when he was looking for his quarry. A teacher, what does a teacher do? Well, a teacher trains their eyes to see the student's potential. What does an auditor do? An auditor trains their eyes to see accounting errors. What does a doctor do? A doctor trains their eyes to see diseases. Uh, What does a policeman do? A policeman trains their eyes to see crime. Here's a good one. What does a treasure hunter do? A treasure hunter will train their eyes to see treasure. Maybe like Michael Sparks. Did you read the story? Uh, Dateline Nashville, Tennessee. So Michael is a guy who works in the music industry, and he, he also likes history. But he works downtown in Nashville, and he goes to the Music City thrift store about three times a week and prowls around, and he tries to find cool stuff. Well, one day he went in, and he found a candelabra he liked, and then he found a salt and pepper shaker made of sterling silver he thought had value. And then he saw, posted on the wall, a copy of the Declaration of Independence. So Michael says, you know, the printing on this looks unusual. This is not regular. This is not just a common reproduction. He had seen this before. So he bought it for the whopping price of $2.50. That's what he gave for America's founding document. So he took the Constitution home. He began to examine it. And do you know what he discovered? That in 1820, the U.S. Congress had commissioned a man by the name of William Stone to print 200 extra copies of the Constitution. And it turns out that Michael Sparks found one of them. He did a little more research, and he put it up for sale, and that $2.50 Constitution brought $477,000. That's a pretty good appreciation on the original investment. Amen? Uh, when the national newspaper asked the guy, they traced it back to a guy named Stan Caffey. He's the one who sold for $2 that document to the thrift store. And he was asked, why did you do that? He said, I'd had it for 10 years. 
I, I bought it for $10 at a yard sale. I lost $8 because I sold it for two. And do you know what it teaches me? Don't waste time cleaning your house. That's what it teaches me. <laughs> well, here's the point. You tend to see what you look for. What have you trained your eyes to see? And here's the point for the Christ follower. Fill in the blank. Train your eyes to see Jesus. Train your eyes to see Jesus. Uh, because sometimes Jesus is not apparent. For example, in Luke 24, on the road to Emmaus, two men encountered Jesus, but they failed to recognize him. Listen to what Jesus said in Mark 8, verse 18. Jesus warned religious leaders, you have ears, but you refuse to hear. You have eyes, but you refuse to see. We have the capacity to miss the Lord Jesus. So as we move into the new decade, it's going to be 2020 for heaven's sake. Let's improve our spiritual vision and let's seek to see Jesus everywhere. Fix our eyes on Jesus, Hebrews 12 says. That means see Jesus in His Word, see Jesus in worship, see Jesus in His world. See Jesus in your family. See Jesus in the face of a stranger. Wherever you go, seek to have E3 vision. Not 3D vision, E3 vision, where everywhere and everyone, every day, you see Jesus. Train your eyes. That's what Simeon and Anna did. These are two superstar saints that recognize their Savior. Let's learn their story. Pick up here at the end of the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. We'll begin in verse 21. And when the eight days were completed, before Jesus' circumcision, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for his purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. This is per Leviticus 12. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms, and he blessed God. And he said, Now, Lord, thou dost let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared in the presence of of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of the people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed. A sword will pierce even his own soul. And to the end that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Verse 36. Then there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. 
She was advanced in years, having lived with a husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, serving night and day with fasting and prayers. And at that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of Him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city of Nazareth, and the child continued to grow and become a strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Let's pray. Father, oh, help us. Help us in this precious moment, this moment filled with sacred opportunity to be still before you, but to come to full spiritual attention. Father, get me out of the way that your spirit can take your transforming truth and deposit it into every receptive heart. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, here's what I want us to do. Let's discover four truths. Let's begin with number one. Number one is the dedication of the parents. That's the first thing I see in verses 21 through 24, the dedication of the parents. Now, Mary and Joseph were doing what was prescribed in Leviticus chapter 12. They were taking their firstborn son who had opened his mother's womb, taking him to the temple to be consecrated. We would call it a baby dedication and they were going to offer the sacrifice of two doves. Now, this is kind of remarkable. Mary and Joseph are modeling for us, in my opinion, good parenting, good parenting. Basically, they are following God's law, and they are going to church. That's something we all need to do. Learn and live God's church, learn and live God's Word, and be part of the Lord's body, His church. Now, let me show you a few right things that these parents did. Number one, they gave Jesus the right name. The angels had prescribed that he was not Joseph Jr. No, no, no. He was who? He was Jesus, and his name means God saves. Then they took him to the right place. They took him to the temple. That means they put a high premium on gathering for worship. And then they connected him to the right people. Oh, my goodness, I like the idea that they connected him to people like uh, Anna and Simeon. They connected Jesus to the right people. Uh, you know, one of the reasons I like to come to this church is because of you. We have some amazing people that call First Baptist their church family. I like this church. I not only love it, I like it because I like you. God has assembled here a team of remarkable saints. And it's fun to come here because we're fulfilling Proverbs 13, 20. You know what that says? Those who walk with the wise grow wise, but the companion of a fool, they will suffer harm. There are a lot of wise, godly, spirit-filled people here. So that's why I like to come and hang out with Bo and Kathy and Rogers and just a whole array of people who are iron sharpening iron. We need Jesus, friends, and we need each other. That is the great truth of God. That's why we come to church. But let me suggest something to you. You can also learn from Mary and Joseph's model for parenting. As we come to this new year, you should rededicate yourselves as parents and rededicate your children to the Lord. Let me give you a great scripture. You may want to mark down Psalm 127, verse 3. Psalm 127, verse 3 says that children are a gift from the Lord. Some of you are thinking, you don't know my kids. I think it's more like a punishment, Jay. I don't know. No, no. Children 
are a gift from the Lord, and they are a sacred treasure and a sacred responsibility. So see your children for what they are, God's gift, and then dedicate yourself to be effective parents. Now, here's what you ought to strive to do. Look on your worksheet. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. You see, here's the secret sauce of parenting. Are you ready? Anybody out there parenting and you're struggling? Can I give you the secret sauce? In a word, it's consistency. It's consistency. Kids want borders and boundaries and consistency. They need parents to be the same, the same in their attitudes, the same in their actions, the same in their reactions to life. So be the same and dedicate yourself to being a consistent, Christ-following parent. When Mary Ruth and I lived here in the early 80s, I was the associate pastor. And on April 1st of 1982, I became a parent because my boy, Jason Wolf, who just happens to be sitting here, he was born and delivered through the able assistance of Dr. Arthur Britton at Baptist South. Now, he made me a parent. And that was a humbling experience. I got down on my knees and I prayed, God, I don't know that I'll ever preach a sermon worth hearing. I don't know that I'll ever be at any big church or do anything for the kingdom much, but please help me to raise a son for you that will follow you and serve you with his whole heart. Friends, that's the goal. That's the target. And how do you do that? Well, you come to church. You become part of a community of faith where your child learns about worship. They hear God's Word and learn to apply it. They are taught about prayer. They are coached to serve. That's why what we do right here, right now, is of ultimate importance. We are following the model of being dedicated parents. Well, let's go to number two, the identification of the prophets. Now, the identity of Jesus had already been affirmed by the angels, by the shepherds, by the wise men, and now these two super senior saints, Simeon and Anna, are going to say, there he is, there he is. Now, a lot of people came to the temple that day, and there were a lot of babies there, and Anna and Simeon had been coming for decades looking for the Messiah, and all of a sudden, be there for a moment, it's as if the Geiger counter of their heart started clicking, bing, 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 when they saw the face of Jesus. Maybe it was luminescent to them. I don't know, but they knew that Jesus was it. Jesus was the Savior, the fulfillment of the promise that Simeon had, that he would not shut his eyes in death until he saw God's salvation, until he met the Messiah. Oh, this is a beautiful moment. Now, go to verse 30, and here's the heart of God's message. He says, my eyes have seen God's salvation. All right, remember this. God's salvation is a person, not your performance. God's salvation is a person, not your performance. A lot of people get that confused. A lot of people engage in religion and ritual, and they think they've done something like they've done God a favor. No, you've just engaged in ritual and religion. It's all about a relationship, isn't it? You see, it's not performance. It's a person. That's what salvation is. We uh, give out these booklets by the thousands, uh, these ABCs of evangelism. Let me show you my favorite page. My favorite page is this depiction 
of what Christianity is versus every other world religion. I, I can break it down. I've taken a lot of courses in world religion. I've traveled in 60 countries. I've seen every kind of person come to Christ. Here's the difference between all world religions and Christianity. Christianity is about trusting what Jesus has done. It's not about what you do. You see, every other world religion is about what I do. It's about the rituals I perform. It's about a ladder of self-effort that takes me from old to God, from my sin to my Savior. No, it can't work that way. You see, Christianity is all about trusting what Jesus has done. It's not about what you do. It's about a person. It's not about your performance. Uh, that was vividly illustrated to me years ago. I'd gone on a mission trip to Singapore. I was working in the Simbawang area with a guy named John Chang. He was a Chinese pastor. And he said, I'm going to take you, and we had two others, uh, two other Baylor students, to the Simbawang area, and there'll be about 20 or 30,000 people there. And I'm going to show you the Hindu ritual of Tamarama. And he was right. I'd never seen anything like this before. Oh my goodness, Ed, I was from here to Ed Seeger to, to this unbelievable experience. There were about 20 or 30 guys, and they were stripped down wearing nothing more than like PE shorts. They were training to be Hindu priests. They had deprived themselves of sleep, food, and water for seven days. They were virtually zombies. They looked like they were in a catatonic state. And then they took a bamboo, it looked like a, a little bamboo pole, like a fishing pole, and they pierced with a sharp end their cheek, their tongue, and their other cheek, and hung weights on the end. And they began to pray through the streets. And then they were pierced with arrows. I've never seen anything like it. They were preparing themselves by their actions and their sacrifice by ritual to serve their God. My friend, that is man-made religion. It is not a relationship to the God who created you. And then I want you to look at verse 32 for a moment. Verse 32 says, a light of revelation to the Gentile. Do you know what that means? That God's for everybody. Simeon is saying, God is for everybody. You've never met somebody that Jesus didn't die for. You've never shaken hands with somebody that Jesus doesn't love. Isn't that good news? That Jesus is for everyone. Oh, my friends. It says in John 8, 12 on your worksheet that he is the light of our world for all who will follow him. Let's go to number three, the anticipation of the pain. It's almost as if Simeon, holding Jesus, recognizing that he is the Messiah, subtly shifts the gear. And maybe he moves almost into a whisper. And he explains, listen to what he's about to say in verse 34. He explains, he says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel, and a sword will pierce even his soul. Now, what does this mean? Well, we know that Jesus came to bring salvation, but he also creates opposition. That's what it means. Throughout his ministry, Jesus attracted people who were faithful followers, but he also attracted people who were fearful persecutors. They were hurtful haters, and it's still the same. I mean, think about Jesus. He always gets two opposite reactions. Even when he's dying on the cross, one thief does what? Accepts and the other rejects. 
That's what Jesus does. You see, he demands a verdict. He demands a decision. And you've either got to be in or out. You've got to be for him or against him. It's interesting. Jesus even said, when you follow me, he didn't sugarcoat it. He compared it to taking up your cross. Friends, a cross is not jewelry. It's a gruesome executioner's tool. Taking up a cross and following me, it's a picture of total and complete surrender. So it's going to cost you. Jesus even said it so powerfully in Matthew 5, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. Jesus didn't promise that following him would be pain-free, downhill, and shady. As a matter of fact, he said the opposite. He said it's probably going to be uphill and hard. So prepare yourself. It's interesting, uh, seeing many times a video of some Egyptian Christians who are wearing orange jumpsuits, being led by ISIS soldiers who have black hoods over their head. And these 21 Egyptian Christians are taken to a Libyan beach, and they are executed because they will not recant their faith in Christ. And I've thought many times, if that were me, what would be my response? If, it, if I was given the choice of either turning my back on Jesus and denying my faith or dying, which would I do? Which would you do? You see, the call of Jesus is to give your best, your highest, your most for the one who gave his best, highest, and most for you, precious friend. When you follow Jesus into this new year, some will cheer, but others will jeer. Others will put you down. Others will lift you up. It doesn't make any difference. You are to consistently follow the Lord Jesus, even if it costs you everything. Let's go to number four, the invitation of peace. It's in verse 26, the invitation of peace. Simeon said, it has been revealed to me by the Holy Spirit that I will not die until I see God's salvation. And then in verse 29, he says, I can now depart in peace the invitation to peace. Oh, he recognized Jesus as the source of salvation. And friend, when you recognize Jesus as the source of your salvation, you can depart in peace. Now, let me put it as simply as I know how. I saw a bumper sticker one time, and I liked it so much, I decided to make my own version of it. No Jesus? What does it say? No peace. No Jesus, no peace. But when you come to know Jesus, then you will know his peace. That's the great truth. Well, that's what happened to Simeon. He said, I have seen God's promised Messiah, and I know peace. I can depart in peace. Have you had that experience? Look on your worksheet to Romans 5, verse 1. The Scripture says, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When I think about having peace to live with and peace to die with, I think of a man by the name of Bruce Mills. Do y'all remember Bruce Mills? Oh, Matt, he would generally sit right about where you are. And uh, Bruce Mills just became one of my favorite friends. I met him about 25 years ago. That's his wife, Pat. He grew up in Harlan, Kentucky. Harlan, Kentucky is in the mountains of eastern Kentucky. His daddy was a coal miner. He was one of nine kids. And he grew up very, very poor. As a matter of fact, um, he didn't come from a Christian home. And Bruce had a great statement. He said, he, he said he left home after high school and he joined the Marines. 
And he said when he went to boot camp in the Marines, he thought he had gone to a resort. Have you ever heard anybody else say that? He said, the reason I said that is because at that Marine boot camp, I got three meals a day, and I generally only had one at home. I got to sleep in my own cot, and generally there were three people I had to share a bed with. And he said, I could fight all the people that crossed me. And he loved to fight folks until he gave his life to Jesus. And he went from a person who was pugilistic to peaceful. Oh, I love that, Bruce. We started playing racquetball together, and I couldn't tell you how many hundreds of games we played out at Maxwell Air Force Base. And he walked around exuding peace. He would just witness to anybody who would hold still. He loved the Lord, and he loved people. And then one day, oh, one day, Bruce called and said, Jay, I've been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, liver cancer, and it's spread into my bones and, and my lungs. And he said, but I don't want you to worry. I'm at peace. He said, it's a win-win. That's how he described it. He had lost a son. Greg was 24 when he died tragically by accident. And he said, if I go on home from this cancer, I'm going to get to see Jesus and Greg. But if I stay here, I'll just keep beating you at racquetball. (laughs) I love that attitude. He lived in peace, and he died in peace. I was there. Well, here's what I want you to know. When you know Jesus, you know peace. And that is the call of God. For you to do what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. You are justified through faith, and you have peace with God. Not through practice of religion, but through the person of the Redeemer, Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you so much for this completing chapter of the Christmas story with Simeon and Anna. I pray that right now... Thank you for sharing worship with us. We trust God has used this broadcast for your spiritual growth and encouragement. If this ministry has touched your life, please let us know. If you'd like to share in the cost of this broadcast, you may send your gifts and support to First Baptist Church. Your partnership with us will help strengthen and extend this ministry and will be greatly appreciated. And remember, when you are at the crossroads, follow Christ.